Ambassador Public Nehidoila, Arcus Ambassador and Holy See, Asan Firkin Forja, Darisha Bromhin, Ramavan Kela, Savin, Argus Gunanir and Eros Man, Togenshe, Glenard Fidram, a Moissanere, Tord Copla Fuckle, the Moissan Herod, Taresh Piasa Father than Covid. Ambassadors, dear friends, it's a very real pleasure for Sabine and I to return to the Villa Spada, this historic house that has served Ireland so well over the past 75 years, both as the embassy to the Holy See and more recently as the embassy to Italy. And may I express my sincere gratitude uh, for this hospitality and welcome uh, to Ambassador Flynn, his wife Madeline, and to Ambassador Derek Hannon, Mila Buikos. I think also I'm so pleased to say that some say see so, so many of you, and I want to join with the gratitude as well uh, to the representatives of the Holy See for facilitating a visit that I'm very much looking forward to next Friday. Uh, you know, the kind of mass audiences that I have been addressing for decades now, uh, this is a considerably diminished group, but a very important one, uh, and I'm so glad that while we have continued to live in the conditions of COVID-related constraints, that it has still proved possible for the ambassadors to be able to bring together small groups of great friends of the embassies of Ireland to Italy and the Holy See. And I think it is very good that we are, as it were, making a beginning to our emergence into what we hope will be easier and better conditions for you all. I'm also glad to say that there are some great friends of Ireland here, beyond Ireland, and that is um, my dear friend Enrico Taranoni, and his friend who is, is it, translator of Joyce, uh, and of so much, and so, president of the Joyce Society in Italy. I, I think the ambassadors have made reference to uh, what everyone has been through in relation to COVID, and I'm sure that all of you based here in Italy have experienced many difficult consequences of the pandemic for over a year and for a year and a half, including the prolonged separation from family in Ireland. And I hope that this situation will continue to ease and that you can look forward to renewed contact with those closest to you. This experience of separation has been very hard on many people, but of course suffered to different degrees by those in terms of the resources and capacities available to them. This is our first visit, Venus and mine, since the beginning of the coronavirus health emergency. And I'm very conscious uh, that it is to the country which has suffered the most in the European Union from the pandemic, particularly in the very early months last year, when we all witnessed tragic images of coffins of the disease being moved by army trucks in Bergamo. And more recently, we will have seen scenes of fires and flooding in other parts of the country and our hearts have gone out to those affected. All of these are images that can resonate in the psyche of the Irish people, even after great distances from our own traumas. We in Ireland, together with many other countries, of course, have also been learning from that early Italian experience, and we owe a debt of gratitude to Italian doctors and professionals who share their learning of dealing with this dreadful disease with us. 
And while at this stage, uh, I think progress on COVAX is very, is what we are making progress, there are so much, I think that we need so much more we need to do. While progress on COVAX, for example, it has been very welcome, it has been shown to be insufficient in addressing the supply program in Africa in particular. And it is my belief that Europe, and this is something we hope we'll be able to discuss with other presidents during the week, Europe, for so many reasons, not only for practical reasons, uh, but moral reasons, should respond to the COVID-19 technology pool, CTAP, launched by the World Health Organization last year, by indicating a willingness to overcome any obstacles to participation. Time is running out to save lives on the African continent. And I'm conscious as president as well in making public speeches to realizing that the great expansion in population that will take place on our planet between now 2030, 2050, will take place on the continent of Africa. All of us here in Europe have had to adapt our way of living in the face of the coronavirus over the last year and a half. And while we are de still dealing with the ongoing threat of the disease and its variants, it is the case that the European Union and member states have had great success in facing the medical and economic challenges caused by the virus and in developing uh, the measures necessary to fight it. It is one of the contradictions of our time that we owe so much to science and technology that has delivered us vaccines, but also a science and technology that has presented so many great problems to us. I salute all those who have led the way in this regard in Italy, and it is appropriate that this country will significantly benefit from the economic solidarity and recovery measures being taken by the European Union. I'm visiting Rome this week at the invitation of President Sergio Mattarella, in the first instance for a meeting tomorrow with the Araulis group of presidents from those member states of the European Union whose constitutional arrangements encompass a non-executive head of state and an executive based on a parliamentary system. There are 13 of us meeting tomorrow. This informal heads of state group aims to meet annually to reflect on issues of European and international significance and particularly try to envisage medium to short long-term approaches to obduring problems. The importance of such dialogue and reflection among the 13 presidents who will be present tomorrow, I feel will be ever more critical in the face of the diverse threats faced by humanity in our contemporary world. The coexistence of several interacting crises, which in addition to the coronavirus emergency, range from climate change to the changed nature of work and the impact of largely unregulated technological change. And also, I think as well, above all else, indeed, reference has been made to my book, the urgent need to recover trust in the European street. Developing a vision of our European Union that is not confined to the market or economic forces is, as I have argued consistently over several years now in several public addresses, including those initially, an essential task for contemporary leadership. When I spoke to the Global Summit of the International Labour Organization during the, the, the pandemic in July 2020, I spoke about the pandemic had exposed 
a contradiction which was being evaded, that we were operating within a paradigm of economy and social connection that was failing. And here, incidentally, I was echoing a view shared by Pope Francis. Even though we had available to us all the 20 principles of the European Pillar of Social Rights, for an ILO meeting in June 2018, I had written earlier, from this demonstrably failed model of economic assumptions, we must free ourselves, make a new balance between economy, ecology, society and culture. And this is recognized in so many of the paragraphs of Laudato Si, for example. The idea that you can have an economics without morality and that you can have an impact on nature without ecological responsibility requires little less than what has, as has been written, a new global renaissance. I'm pleased to note, however, that the solidarity that has been gathering momentum in the Union in response to the pandemic over the past year appears to have strengthened pro-European opinion in Italy, and I think that, which of course is the guardian of the Treaty of Rome, but also across other member states. That opinion is now following a social Europe of economic sufficiency with ecological responsibility. A union which is values-based, not only in theoretical terms, but also consistently so in practice, is surely an essential requirement for maintaining and engaging the support of our peoples and guarding against the siren calls and false promises of populism. <coughs> At the Iriolas meeting tomorrow in the Quirinale Palace, we will focus in particular on our vision for the future of the European Union in a post-pandemic world. Our two countries continue to demonstrate our shared commitment to international peace and security in a variety of concrete ways, including the issues we will share during Ireland's current membership of the UN Security Council. Those shared values will, I know, also inform Italy's leadership of the G20, as well as in practice in UNIFIL in Lebanon, where the women and men of our defence forces serve alongside each other. In restating the readiness of Ireland, Italy and our partners in the European Union to playing our part in ensuring peace and security, we must always insist that the international order is not, if the international order is not based on the human rights of all women and men, it can never be acceptable. Unfolding events in Afghanistan surely give emphasis to the importance of basic human rights being protected and vindicated. And as President, I was so pleased to welcome the speech of our Ambassador, uh, Geraldine Barton-Mason. I spoke earlier of the success of the European Union and its member states in rolling out vaccination to citizens, a source of encouragement to us all. But this success must be, I repeat, be accompanied by a genuine commitment to ensuring effective vaccination programs in the developing world, if our exit from the pandemic is to be a long-term one. Later this week, as I said, I will have the opportunity to discuss some of these challenges with Pope Francis, whose deep reflections uh, on all of these issues have been so important. Indeed, he has given a lead in saying, we cannot take on an attitude of indifference, and I think this is important. 
And I will also look, very much look forward to meeting with the Director General of the Food and Agricultural Organisation, Chu Dong Yu, to discuss the leadership role Ireland is playing and can develop in the preparations for the Food Systems Summit later this month in New York. We in Ireland have a significant role in helping to achieve food security, by which I mean the production in the most appropriate way of food closest to those who will consume it, and in particular in finding ways of adapting agricultural systems and practices to the needs of climate change and development. But a sufficiency, food security, I mentioned that this historic house where we are, the Villa Spada, has served as Ireland's embassy to the Holy See, in fact, from 1946 to 2012. In its own way, this building, originally built in the 17th century, reflects the complexities of our shared European history and space. It was here in June 1849 that Garibaldi made a last stand against French troops who had come to the assistance of the papacy. Despite the defeat of the Italian forces on that occasion, it would not be very long, as we all know, before a unified Italian state emerged. A little down the aptly named Via Garibaldi beside this embassy lies the church of San Pietro de Montorio, which is the burial place of an early generation of Irish leaders, Hugh O'Neill and Rory O'Donnell, who had sought assistance from European powers of the day. Beside that church, we find the wonderful masterpiece of high Renaissance architecture, Bramante's Tempietto, which had such an influence on the evolution of architectural styles in succeeding centuries. Last Friday morning, I received the ambassador of Italy as something that is very moving. At Oris and Nuctron, we walked to view the beautiful sculpture of the Pieta, given to the Irish people in recognition by the people of Italy for the assistance the Irish gave for food during the Second World War and moved to Ireland entirely by subscription of the Italian community in Ireland. These few examples I recall this evening serve, of course, to remind us of earlier connections across our common European space, a space we must meaningfully use along with colleagues. I have addressed this issue of the need for greater social cohesion, for the need for the respect, for the intimacy of the local, of language and place, and a vision for a real progressive Europe to reclaim the European street. The challenge for the future of Europe is to connect with the street, to show solidarity with all its citizens, sharing and communicating a vision for social Europe that involves no contradiction with what is valued as proximate or local. And I cannot then finish without referencing a great European of universal significance. We are marking the 700th anniversary this year of the death of one of the greatest literary figures in world culture, the poet Dante Alighieri, father of the Italian language, whose gifts to humankind include the Divina Commedia, which had such an influence on literature and wider culture throughout the ages. In February 2018, Sabine and I were very pleased to welcome President Madarell and his daughter Laura on a state visit to Ireland. It was a very successful visit, with one last-minute addition to the President's programme, at his request of a visit to the National Ga Gallery to see Garavaggio's painting of the taking of Christ, which Laura had seen earlier on the visit. This is yet another wonderful example 
Both of those uplifting links between our countries and peoples in the cultural sphere which we share, and of what this great country, Italy, has given to universal culture. So in the language of the poet Dante, let me wish you all una bellissima serata. And Sabine and I look forward to having the opportunity, perhaps, of speaking with some more, for some more moments with all of you in just a few moments. Thank you. Grazie.